Hi everyone, today we are talking about reframing. This is the number one, like most important thing that you need to do if you want to uh, practice respectful parenting. Respectful and peaceful parenting helps mm -hmm. to, uh, respectful parenting falls under peaceful parenting, but mm -hmm. we cannot do this. We, it is impossible to follow through if you do not um, reframe the way that we think about our children's behavior. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Sweet. Um, and so reframing, um, just, uh, you, you probably heard, you maybe heard this term before, but it's any time you kind of approach a situation and then you try to sort of train your brain to think about it differently than the, um, your, your first sort of, uh, approach. Um, and so maybe this is something you've actually worked on in other aspects of your life. Um, maybe a good example would be, um, let's say uh, you're at work, you're a grocery store clerk, and somebody comes through the checkout line and they, um, they seem really rude to you. And you think, oh, God, this person's such a rude person. And reframing would be um, maybe thinking, maybe this person just had a bad day. Maybe something's going on for them that I don't know. Maybe you even say, hey, how's your day going? And they um, respond, oh, it's just been such a hard day. And they open up and smile and things, everyone goes on their way and it seems now it's a positive situation. So instead of doing that initial, ugh, what a rude person, you kind of think, well, hold on a second. Let me think about this differently. Yeah. And it can change the way you, you it can change the way um, your relationships are with strangers, people you know, and particularly and very importantly, your children. Yep. Yes. Yep. So, so it's looking things uh, through a different lens, through a different perspective, not reacting right away, but stopping and thinking, okay, maybe I don't have the full information here. Maybe I don't have the full picture. Another good example is when you're driving down the road. I like to remember this. And then someone is doing something. Um, you can automatically think, oh, that person is a jerk, but you don't know what their tastes like. Maybe yeah. something horrible is going on and they have to rush to the hospital. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So um, it's just nice <laughs> to go through life not assuming the worst in people <laughs> yeah, and thinking that, you know, we might, we don't have full information and you can imagine a situation where you might do something similar. And that's kind of this empathy, um, stretching that empathy muscle and yeah. thinking about how, how, uh, yeah, you could even be pushed to that limit or something. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. So with What's kids, next? with kids, um, this is really important. And um, the, the first thing to really consider with children, too, is they have, um, they're not developmentally um, ready to think about everything rationally and do the kind of pausing that we can do right. and approach a situation without the very impulsive nature of children, which is just... Um, you know, they, they feel everything very much, um, uh, self-centered and, uh, they will, they will get upset over little things Yeah, and it seems like it can be so hard and it can feel like sometimes they're doing it, um, it just seems so unfair, right? So, like, oh, yeah. Right? So this is the thing that is so funny and it was the thing that really clicked for me when I found respectful parenting. Um, kids are not capable of thinking rationally and thinking in the same way that we are. We've had, you know, 30, 40, however many years experience, um, 
learning how to deal with our emotions, learning how to deal with people, learning how the world works, everything. Mm -hmm. So the, to expect kids to be able to respond in a mature, rational way is asking too much. I think most people agree with that. Most people agree that kids are not capable of everything adults are. Um, the problem is adults think that they need to teach children mm -hmm. how to behave like adults. And we're telling you, no, you do not have to teach your children how to behave like an adult. They are going to learn it on their own when they're ready, when they're developmentally ready. Right now they're not developmentally ready. So we need to meet them where they're at. So for the first step is realizing they are not capable of what we are capable of. They don't have the impulse control, like you said. Their brains are not developed yet. They just, um, you said self-centered. They, they have this, um, this view of the world because that's all they know, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, so this is huge. This is yeah. really big. They literally cannot do what we do. Yeah. They can't. So to expect that is asking too much. It is. And even we... Um, we make these mistakes too. So, yeah, uh, it's, um, it's so funny so on top of it all. Like we make these mistakes already and, and maybe not as often as our children, um, you know, seem, you know, they're not, we're not having necessarily tantrums three times a day, but, uh, you know, we, we have our hard times too. Right. So, so like we, we, <laughs> that's, that, it's so funny because, um, and you wrote this in your notes, you were like, if we're having a bad day, we could come home and say, you know what? I don't really feel like doing the chores. I'm not going to do the chores yet. If our kid has a bad day and they don't want to do the chores, a lot of parents say, well, you can't talk back to me. That's the rule. Do the chores. And it's mm -hmm. like, you are expecting a lot of people, I think are expecting more of children than they expect out of themselves. Yeah. But they don't realize that children's, when children have these reactions, it's an age appropriate reaction. So most adults would say like, I'm going to bring up an example from later, a tantrum, a kid has a tantrum. They're like, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, no, you're an adult. But for a three-year-old, a tantrum is an age appropriate response to a stimulus. That's how they respond to upset. When we might curse or like just get annoyed and walk away. Maybe we'll even say something. We could lash out at the person. Yeah. Say um, something a little bit mean. But mm -hmm. usually adults yeah. can handle conflict without hitting, you know, and just, but we, ha again, we have that adult brain. We have the <laughs> impulse control to not do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but kids don't. So we are having the exact same emotional responses as our kids. We just have the adult brain to man to manage those mm -hmm. feelings. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just went off track no, there. No, it's good. Where are we now? It's good. So, um, we are, so one of the ways you can start to do this is, um, not using negative terminology about your child. So when you feel like, oh, they're just being such a brat, they're, they're being mean. Um, what a bully. Uh, these are things that you need to start to realize. Sneaky, this needs a reframe. Lying. Any negative term you use for your kids is, um, that's, that you, that's where you need to stop. Rewind. Okay. I'm using a negative term. I need to refrain here. Yes. Yep. Um, so that would be a kind of hint to yourself. Uh, yes. wait a second. Let me think about this another way. Um, we want to interpret our children's behavior, um, as the best possible interpretation of their behavior. So we, we, we don't want like, you don't, I don't think you want to think of your child as a brat or a, a bully. Um, 
and and they don't want that either. No. And when we do think of them that way, then they will start to internalize it. If we use those words, or even if you don't use those words with your kids, but you respond while thinking that, they're mm -hmm. going to pick up on those messages you're sending. So they're going to start to internalize because the we value ourselves. We understand our place in the world uh, because we're social beings. By the way, other people see us too, right? Um and, and when you're a kid, you're extremely susceptible to this. You're looking to your parents, you're looking to your family and friends to tell you who you are. Like you're mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And, and, and so you'll do something, they'll react and you'll think, oh, okay, that's, that's what gets that reaction. So if you're constantly hearing, why do you lie all the time? Why are you a bully? These things, um, the kid will start to internalize it and often it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy and they'll start to think, okay, well, that's just who I am now. That's just who I am. I've heard these terms or I've been treated this way for so long. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. You bring up a really good point there. It's, um, um, even if you're not saying these words, you really need to change the way you actually view the child and, and I think one of the first ways is to stop using the terms. If you're using those terms about your child, if you talk about your kid um, in any way that's um, particularly negative, especially on a regular basis, mm -hmm. um, start start changing the terminology first. But as you do that, really try and change your own actions and your own belief. Believe that the child is actually capable of being a, you know, not a bully. Believe that your child isn't actually being a bully, that there's something else going on for them yeah. that's getting this action reaction from them. And they don't have the impulse control to, to let the person know that, uh, what's happening, that something's going on in their life. Um, right. They so, don't, they, they cannot stand up for themselves. They cannot be their own advocate because they're so little. I mean, they maybe can try, but it's super hard for a kid to do that themselves. Um, we need to be their advocates for them. So we need to step back, look at the behavior and say, what is going on here? Yeah. And, and change and our then... own automatic reactions. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what your child's doing when they are, um, lashing out or getting angry or saying mean things to you or to someone else. Um, that's their automatic reaction. They've, they've just, they're, they're reacting to their environment. So when you in turn react to them with anger, frustration, and irritation. Um, now you're reacting to the environment oh, angrily. God. So and it now creates it's the storm. It's a storm. Yeah, it's it's a vicious feed. cycle. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to get defensive and then you're going to start trying to get more strict and frustrated. You can get into um, power struggles these way, this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good place to sort of, um, start thinking about your kid, don't use those terms. Try and approach the situation with um, compassion. If instead you feel of, like you are triggered, though, take a step back and breathe, breathe. and maybe walk away. Pause. Because that's that's what, when we say, like, the word triggered, that's what we mean is when you react very quickly and you have a, an emotional response to stimulus. And if that is with your kid, then it's time to step back and, and try and... Reframe. <laughs> yeah. Try and reframe. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is what this is about. So, yeah. So definitely. Um, and there have been times, you know, we have our bad days too, where, um, something's going on and we just, oh, that, you know, something's like every little thing might be bothering us. And when, um, when that's happening, make sure your kid is in a safe place, but you can go to the bathroom, take a couple deep breaths, 
whatever you do to help calm yourself down. Um, if it's, you know, I sometimes I go to the kitchen and I, you know, get a little chocolate or something, you know, and I just kind of like eat it in the corner and just enjoy it. You know, it's just, we all have our things that we know kind of help us out. Yeah. So, uh, to take the time to make sure you are ready to then sit down and, um, view your child through a different lens. Yes. Yep. Um, and What's the let's next see. One? Oh yeah. So, um, do we get everything on the other page? Yep. Wow. We did. Okay, cool. We're rolling. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Moving right along. So I kind of liked we expectations. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of talked about, the, um, this a little bit. Um, but so did you want to say it or do you want me to whichever one? Um, yeah. Good so boy. what we have here is, uh, oftentimes this can happen when we have expectations and when our kids do not meet our expectations, it's important to remember that that's our issue, not our child's issue. So then we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out maybe the expectation was not age appropriate. Maybe there's something, a deeper issue going on that day. Your child needs more support. There's a whole bunch of reasons why a child might not meet our expectations, but it is never their fault. It's never their issue. That's our issue. That's, those are our expectations. We were disappointed and now we need to be the adult and figure out how to move forward. Yeah. Don't put that on our kids. Don't guilt our kids into thinking it's their responsibility to always meet our expectations. I just think yeah. that that's going to, that's a very controversial thing actually that yeah. I just said. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that gets us into, um, like thinking our kids might be, let's say, um, Oh, well they're so lazy. They never do what I say. Um, or, you know, they don't listen, which we did an episode about listening. They, they are probably, they might be listening. We don't know if they heard what you said or not, but, um, we can't be in their heads and, uh, that's our expectations. Yeah. And when we have those expectations and they aren't following through, that's our responsibility, like you said. And, um, when it starts turning into a power struggle and you start thinking that your kid might be doing something in, maybe you even think your kid's doing something intentionally to bother you. Um, uh, that's good, great place to reframe. And yeah. instead of creating that power struggle, uh, approach, <laughs> you start approaching it with compassion instead of reaction. Yes. Don't get mad at your kid. Um, maybe try and get to their level and figure out what's going on. Hey, I, I realized I asked you three times to, um, go put away the dishes. Um, what's going on? Uh, are, is everything okay? Just check in with your kid, ask them questions and, um, but make sure you're in a good headspace. Yes. If you're when asking you do angrily. It and, um, yeah. And if you get an answer you don't like, don't react because then they're going to shut down and they're not going to want to talk about important things with you in the future. Mm -hmm. So don't do that if you're not in the right headspace. If you're mad, don't do that. Right. Yeah. No, but that's also part of reframing is, is really internalizing this idea. You have to internalize um, it. And yep. it does, it takes time. And we, we, again, like I said, we have our bad days too and bad moments. So it's, um, it's something just to work on over time and, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And the, um, the easier it gets, the, 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 um, more you see it working. And so it's yeah. motivating to kind of keep moving forward with this 
technique sort of. Yes. Um, but it is, it's changing your own mind. And, and the more you do it, the more your brain actually uh, starts going towards those, um, these uh, sort of reframing more often. So it's, You'll, it it'll become more, more natural. natural. Yeah. yeah, it totally will. This is very hard to do, especially if you, because I think all of us were raised with this idea that uh, we need to discipline kids to get them to behave. And this philosophy turns that on its head. We're talking about looking at children a completely different way. Yeah. Yep. I oh, hear okay. what you said. <laughs> I did. I was I was half listening. So yeah, um, and this kind of goes goes um, along oh, with all good. of this too. That um, kid kid the child children are not responsible for how you feel. So when you are, you know, when your kid says something to you that maybe feels like it's hurting your feelings, they aren't actually responsible for those feelings. Um, and we hear that this with adults. This is important. As an yeah. adult, no one is responsible for your feelings. You're responsible for your own feelings. Yeah. Right. So we yes. talk about this in 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 terms of adults and um, making helping with like adult relationships. So the same thing goes with kids. Same thing goes with kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is what um, reframing is really helpful for is. Um, is trying to change those feelings that you might have when you get angry because maybe your kid did something that makes you angry. Uh, reframing is helpful to try and actually change those emotions in you. It's sort of a mindfulness yeah. technique um, where over time you will stop feeling angry if you start interpreting their behavior more positively or understanding that they're not capable of giving you their best at that moment. Yeah. And I think we can, we can understand this a lot. Like, um, how often, I mean, maybe some of you even, you have um, a job with a boss that's really overbearing. Um, maybe they're really, um, you know, they're hard to be around and uh, they are super demanding all the time. And, and um, you know, that, you know, you're, you're just in a like, ugh, mood all the time. So you take that home, you know, and when you take that home and you have a partner that you can talk to, um, that's, that's, you don't want them to shut down because you're bringing this anger home that you're trying to get out because, you know, you want someone that can sit there and listen to you. And that's all your kid wants too. Your kid is angry and they don't have anyone else. You mentioned they that before. Can't. They don't, they can't call their, um, you know, their sibling, you know, they can't like, call their best they can't friend. Call their best friend. I mean, maybe teenagers can, but, but like young kids, young can't. kids, they really can't. And it's, this is really young kids. I mean, you should do this for all ages, but you know, it's young kids that I think oftentimes trigger are, um, like early on <laughs> that, that behavior early on where they're super impulsive and they don't have the ability to just control right. their actions. So, um, you know, they don't, they only have us and we have so many different outlets um, to, to fall back on when we're having a hard time. We had that day with our boss that felt really unfair. We can go home and tell our partners about it. I can call family members and friends and you, you know, our child has only us. So if we're not the ones to sit there and listen to them and try to be understanding about what's going on, especially when we are the ones that are oftentimes causing these issues, um, cause we're controlling their lives. <laughs> They don't control their lives a lot of times. It's us. They go along for the ride. You are missing an opportunity for mm -hmm. 
a profound connection here. Yeah. It's amazing how much you can connect with your child if you just sit with them and, and let them express their emotions and keep them safe and let them know you're calm and that you love them. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. It's you a great really opportunity. You and build it, trust. Mm-hmm. You build, build trust. trust, connection. Um, and, and that's what I want. I want, I want to build a relationship with my child that over time they can come to me with any issue, even issues that they're having with and about me. Right. Because I would like to work on that and try and improve our relationship rather than um, continue in the cycle of negativity. Well, especially since as they get older, the issues are going to become more complex, more life changing. Mm -hmm. The issues they have now are pretty small. So it's important to feel safe talking to us about, about these, these small ones first. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is them testing. They're developing a relationship with us and what the, the relationship we build with them now is going to define how the rest of our lives look together. Yeah, absolutely. That's like, is it, do I feel safe getting so mad at my mom because she didn't let me have a popsicle? Uh, wow. I, I, that, that felt safe. Okay. Wow. That's great. That's foundation right there. And it seems so little, but it's actually huge. And, um, yeah, so it's so important to reframe behavior, um, to a more constructive interpretation, something positive, um, you know, think about it as an opportunity to build and grow, um, both with your child and for your child. And the more you model this for them, um, they'll get it too over time. So that's, oh, right. You said that. So I was Mm going to look at the thing, the notes, um, the, way that they learn. So I was saying like, you can't teach them. You can't teach them. The way you teach them is through modeling. And so they're going to build this empathy muscle. They're going to, they're going to learn all of these things by how we respond to them first. Mm -hmm. So we need to show them empathy and patience and love and it will come. It will come. We can't lecture it to them. We can't shame them. We can't shame, shame them into, um, yeah. Um, being, I mean, you can even try being able it to might have... work. Some people have done it. It's just, I well... don't think that's the best way to do it. <laughs> no. It doesn't feel, no, it doesn't uh, feel genuine. Right. Um, it doesn't feel very genuine. And, um, if it, it, uh, um, yeah, well, what we're talking about, here, they're going to learn from those techniques too. So when they get older, that's what they're going to do too. It is. So this is how they start we... to do the same things that you're doing. Yep. So when you, and that's why also when, when they yell at you and you yell back, then they yell at you and then you're yelling, yelling, yelling. And then you wonder why as a teenager there, you just kind of get in these yelling matches all the time. And, and you, like, right. why can I never sit down and have a conversation with my kid? Well, you kind of built this, um, adversarial, adversarial relationship. relationship and right. it's, you've modeled for them that, uh, screaming and getting angry is an appropriate response to behavior that annoys you. So, um, they do that too. Well, I'm annoyed by that behavior. So I'm going to scream and, and, um, right. Get annoyed. And, and, <laughs> and what we're really talking about through this, this, this whole philosophy is how to have healthy relationships with all people. So we're saying that there's a way to have a healthy relationship with a spouse, with a friend, with a sister and with your child. And it's the same steps. It's the same mm-hmm. philosophy. Yeah, it is. Yep. 
It is. And the more you do it, again, the more you do it with your kid, the more you're going to do it in other aspects of your life too. Yes. Um, and maybe you're the kind of person already that, uh, that tries to think that way when that person's driving crazy down the road. Well, I can't know what's going on in their life. Um, maybe they're getting, trying to get somewhere in an emergency. So then just extend that to your kid too. extend, extend. And if, if you don't do that, um, try to start doing it in your normal day-to-day -day life with other adults. Um, and it does, it gets easier, but it's, you know, it can always, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's change, challenging the way your brain, um, thinks. Yes. And it's really, yeah, but it's got so many benefits. Yeah. And so it's going to help us. It'll help you respond in the moment. Yeah, it will. So I was just looking at this and we did, we did the first, that. we did two of the examples I wrote down already. So I think we should just do the, the yeah. last one, which is, um, an, an example of reframing is, um, if a child does something triggering and laughs or smiles while they're doing it. So let's say the child hits the dog and smiles beforehand and you say, no, don't hit the dog. And then they hit the dog and they laugh about it and run away. Um, that is a situation. There's a lot of situations that I've been in where kids will laugh when they do something that looks pathological. And so you could say like, oh, he's a sociopath or it's a pathological, horrible behavior. He has no, uh, uh, like <laughs> um, empathy, empathy. Yeah. for the animal. Um, and, and, or he's just doing it to get a reaction. You know, there's all of these negative ways that you can look at it. And that's a particular event that is, um, so common, common so and hard to reframe because the reaction isn't one that you would think you're like, but he laughed and he smiled. So you think, you know, what's going on in his head. And I am here to tell you that when a kid does that and they're smiling and they're laughing, they really feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We touched on this on another episode. It's extremely common for people to laugh in nervous situations. And I think this is exactly what's going on. If it's not what's going on, then I mean, I still think you should react the same way because we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the, my, the reasons I think about this philosophy. I love this philosophy so much is it kind of doesn't matter, but if you respond in this positive way, um, and look at the reaction at the, at the kid's behavior as communication, and you look at it as neutrally or as in as positive light as possible, then the reaction you're going to get back is going to be the best reaction they can give. So you are giving them your best self so they can give you their best selves. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll be surprised at how well this works. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think instead of thinking, oh, my kid wants to hurt the dog. My kid's two and actually um, we have a little dog and he goes up and sometimes does a quick, you know, he'll start to try to whap the dog or whatever. And it's my job to make sure that both the dog and the kids stay safe. And that's the first thing to remember. And then also reframing that behavior. He's having a really hard time right now. My child's having a hard time and, um, you need, it's your job to stop it. And instead of just screaming to stop or telling your kid that they're, you know, doing a horrible thing, um, see it as the communication it is and calmly walk up and say, I see you're having a hard time keeping yourself and the dog safe. I'm going to move the dog or I'm yeah. going to move you back. I'm going to put the dog somewhere safe. And, um, you know, the kid doesn't feel like what they did. You know, the kid, the kid isn't going to feel, um, shame or, 
you know, all, all of the things that put them into this role that make them want to keep doing it. What was that my parent? Why did my parent say that this time? Like what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to test it again and again and again and again. If we do not hold strong boundaries, then it makes kids, especially young kids, feel so uncomfortable because they don't know who's in charge. So when you start saying, don't do this, don't do that, but you're not actually physically holding that boundary, then the kid is like, well, can I or can't I? Because they're obviously doing it. Yeah. So that is not holding a limit. Yelling and saying things is not holding a limit. Holding a limit is physically stopping a child or preventing whatever is continuously happening from happening. Yeah. So you can, you can either take steps like, okay, now, you know, they can never just be in the same room together or something, but you have to get creative with your solutions and recognize that when kids, you know, laugh or smile or do things over and over again, they are uncomfortable and they don't understand who's in charge and they know how vulnerable they are. They know that they need us. So it scares them when they think that we're out of control um, or we don't have control over the situation. Yeah. So when we say to do something and then we get, we freak out when they don't do it because we didn't hold that limit. That's not fair to them. Not fair not to fair. them. Yeah. yeah. You're setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up for uh, disappointment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that was a lot of information it right was. there. <laughs> and the key, the key part of that is that reframing. Think, just just think outside the box. Try and think about what's going on for the child in that moment instead of just what your interpretation of their behavior is. Mm -hmm. um, really approach it with uh, love and compassion and know that your kid really does want to do their best. They really mm -hmm. do. And they don't want to disappoint you. So when you continually feel they feel disappointed, they're disappointing you, um, that's, that's when you get the really worst hard. That's when you get the worst behavior because it's you're, you're, it's it's hard on your kid and it's going to be hard on you. So, um, yep, yeah. So this would be a good place to wrap up. Wrap up Let's and do that. Um, Thank you for listening. Yeah. And uh, subscribe, please, if you like what you saw here. Uh, please share this video. And if you have any questions, write uh, questions at parentingtrap.com. Um, I'm Alex. This is my sister, Barbara, and we try and do this uh, every week, at least. At least, yeah. So thanks a lot for listening. Thanks. Bye.